Let us pray. Father God, you have gathered us here this morning to be in your presence, to gather with your people, to gather around your word. Lord, we offer you our worship and praise this morning. We offer you our songs, but we also offer you our tithes. Lord, we pray that you would receive this money and that you would use it to spread your fame throughout this valley and throughout the world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Pastor Bruno, can you come here for one second? I'm going to ask Pastor Bruno to translate a few comments at the beginning. Eu vou pedir só para o pastor Bruno fazer algumas uh, traduções no início. I want to welcome uh, those of you who've not been to this service, uh, to this special service this morning. Ah, uh, eu gostaria de dar os bem-vindos a todos vocês os quais estão presentes neste culto, neste culto especial nessa manhã. We are not going to translate my sermon this morning. Uh, nós não traduziremos o meu sermão hoje de manhã. If you want the text of the sermon, uh, it's on the stand outside of the door. Se você quiser o texto do sermão, vocês vão encontrar na plataforma que está ali do lado de fora. We will, however, translate uh, the wedding ceremony a little bit later. Ah, contudo, nós faremos a tradução da cerimônia de casamento um pouquinho daqui a pouquinho. Is there any other thing we need to say? Thank you very much. <laughs> Our second reading this morning comes from Numbers chapter 18. Hear the word of God. The Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and all the people in your father's family must bear responsibility for any wrong that is done against the holy place or against the priests. To prevent that from happening, you must bring the rest of the men from the tribe of Levi to join you. These Levites will help you and your sons do your work in the tent of the agreement. The Levites will be under your control. They will do all the work that needs to be done in the tent, but they will not go near the things in the holy place or the altar. If they do, they will die, and you also will die. They will join you and work with you. They will be responsible for caring for the meeting tent. All the work that must be done in the tent will be done by them. No one else may come near the place where you are. You are responsible for caring for the holy place and the altar. I don't want to become angry with the Israelites again. I myself choo chose the, the Levites from among all the Israelites. They are as a gift to you. I gave them to you to serve the Lord and work in the meeting tent. But Aaron, only you and your sons may serve as priests. You are the only ones who can go near the altar or behind the curtain into the most holy place. I am giving you a gift, your service as a priest. Anyone else who tries to come too close must be killed. Then the Lord said to Aaron, I myself gave you responsibility over all the special gifts people give to me, all the holy gifts that the Israelites give to me, I give to you. You and your sons can share in these gifts. They will always belong to you. The people will bring gifts, grain offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings. These offerings are most holy. Your share in the most holy offerings will come from the parts that are not burned. All these things will be for you and for your sons. Eat these things only in a very holy place. 
Every male in your family may eat them, but you must remember that these offerings are holy. The Israelites will bring special gifts that you will lift up to me. I give these gifts to you and to your sons and daughters. That is your share. Everyone in your family who is clean will be able to eat it. Anything in Israel that is a special gift to God is yours. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Levites and tell them, The Israelites will give one-tenth of everything they own to the Lord. That one-tenth will belong to the Levites. But you must give one-tenth of that to the Lord as your offering. That tenth will be your offering to the Lord. It will be like grain from your own threshing floor or wine from your own wine press. In this way, you will also give an offering to the Lord just as the other Israelites do. You will get the one-tenth that the Israelites give to the Lord, and then you will give one-tenth of that to Aaron the priest. When the Israelites give you one-tenth of everything that they own, they, then you must give the best and the holiest parts of these things as your gift to the Lord. And if you always give the best parts of it to the Lord, you will never be guilty. You will always remember that these gifts are the holy offerings from Israel, and you will not die. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, you alone have the words of life. You have caused them to be given to us by the prophets and from our Savior. They have been recorded for us in Scripture. And so we gather around these words of Scripture this morning with reverence and with expectation that we will hear a word from you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't want to mention any names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But there is a certain remarkable girl in this congregation who knows more stuff about the Bible than many of the adult members of this church. In fact, her grasp of key theological concepts exceeds what I saw among my classmates at Princeton Seminary. I would like to say that this is because she has spent her entire conscious life here under my preaching, but the real reason is she's been well-trained at home. I, too, was a Sunday school whiz kid when I was growing up, and I was no slouch when I went to seminary either. When I graduated, I passed all of my ordination exams on the first go-round, and since that time, I have preached week in and week out for 18 years, and I've read the Bible forward and backwards more times than I can count. So you can imagine my surprise when in preparing this sermon this week, I discovered something I never knew about the Bible. Something really very basic. My standard strategy in preparing a sermon involves reading and rereading the passage that I'm going to preach on, and then I read two different commentaries on the passage because each commentary has a different point of view, and I find that helpful. What I discovered last week, and maybe some of you already knew this and you'll be disappointed in me, what I discovered last week is that the law of Moses specifies not just one, but three separate tithes. Now, I know that sounds like some stewardship committee trick 
to get you to up your giving from 10% to 30%, but hear me out. There are three separate tithes that are specified in the Bible. The first tithe we're all familiar with, that's the tithe that our reading from Numbers chapter 18 is about. The tithe supports the tabernacle, the priests who serve in the holy place, and all of the other Levites who support the work of the priest and ensure the operation of the tabernacle as a whole. For us as Christians, that's the money that we give to keep the doors of the church open, to keep the roof over our head and to keep the lights on. That's the money that pays the salary of our staff. Let's call that the priestly tithe. But there are two other tithes specified in scripture as well. The first was paid once every three years. And keep in mind that the ancient Israelites, they were an agricultural people, payday came basically once a year at harvest time. This once in three years tithe was for the support of poor people. Now, there were other systems in place to help poor people. For example, you never harvested to the very edge of the fields. The borders of the fields were left for the poor people. They could gather there. And the farmers did not glean their own fields. Gleaning, which is a, a second pass over the fields once the harvest was taken in. Gleaning was left for the poor people. But in addition to these structural systems, there was a once every three years tithe which set aside money specifically for the people who had become impoverished. In our church, we do something like this with the money that we collect for our deacons. Any loose offering on the first Sunday of each month goes to the deacons fund and then the deacons use that money for the poor people who come to the church looking for help. So we can call the second tithe the poor people's tithe. We have the priestly tithe that feeds the priest and all of their assistants and we have the poor people's tithe which feeds the people who can't feed themselves. So what's the third tithe? <coughs> well, that's what we heard about in our reading from Deuteronomy chapter 12. There we have a list of offerings that are given to God and they include grain or bread and oil and meat and wine. All of the makings of a feast. But all of these offerings which belong to God, the way that every tithe belongs to God, these offerings are not handed over to the priests for them to eat, and they're not given to the poor people for them to enjoy. Rather, these offerings, this third tithe, which belongs to God, are for the people themselves, the people who grew them and harvested, for them to enjoy which might seem a little strange. It's the tithe that comes back to us. Now there were several basic rules about this tithe. These things, quote, must not be eaten where you live. So rather than eating this food at home, it was to be eaten in some kind of special designated place and at that place all of the food was to be enjoyed quote together with your sons and your daughters and all of your servants and the Levites living in your towns. Enjoy yourself there with the Lord your God. Enjoy what you have worked for. That's verse uh, 18. I don't know what that sounds like to you, but to me, that sounds like a church picnic or a potluck dinner. 
You pack your picnic basket, you leave your house, and you go with all of your family, with all of the people who work for you on your farm, and you travel to a special church picnic grounds, and there you meet with the Levites and the other people who work in the church, and there in the presence of the Lord you have this feast. Bread and oil and wine and meat, everybody sharing the bounty of God's material blessings. To me, this looks like a picture of heaven on earth. If the first tithe is the priestly tithe and the second tithe is the poor people's tithe, I think this third tithe should be called the party tithe or the picnic tithe or the potluck tithe because it is a divinely commanded offering to God that we feast on with each other. The Bible says, do this as long as you live in the land. Somehow I never heard about this tithe when I was in Sunday school growing up, but I think it's really important. Now, there are a whole bunch of things that I think are important about the principle of tithing in general. It's important to recognize that tithing is not tipping for services received. Tithing is not a ticket price for getting into the sanctuary. Tithing is a regular, proportional, first fruit set aside from your income as an offering to God. It is regular, it is proportional, and it is from the first fruits. Because it's regular, the tithe is given deliberately, intentionally, and not in response to some kind of emotional appeal, unlike so many fundraisers that we uh, come across. Because it's proportional, both rich people and poor people can tithe. No one is left out. And from those who are given more, more is expected. Because it's the first fruits, tithing is the best of our lives and the best of our income, not the dregs and not the leftovers. If we wait until the end of the month to see what we have left over after we've paid our bills and enjoyed our income, if we wait until the end of the month to make an offering to God, well, we're not tithing. And God is not honored by the leftovers. We give him the first fruits. Our relationship to tithing actually mirrors our relationship with God. Our relationship with God also should be regular, proportional, and from the first fruits. Our relationship with God should be regular. We should come to worship every week. Not just when we need a spiritual boost. Not just when we're in the holiday spirit. We read the Bible and we pray every day. Not just when we're having trouble or are looking for some kind of soothing words. Our relationship with God should also be proportional. Of course, our whole lives belong to God and we can serve God in all that we do. But we set aside a steady portion of our time and our energy for the exclusive attention to God. That's what the Sabbath is all about setting aside a regular part of our week every week shows the world that we are Christians if you want to look different from the world go to church on Sunday morning people will notice how odd you are and our relationship with God is from our first fruits from the very best of what we have we give God our good stuff 
our best efforts. He is at the top of our to-do list so that our relationship to tithing will mirror our relationship to God. The priestly tithe, which is the one that we think about most often, that's what we took up this, this morning, we took up a priestly tithe, uh, is important. The institution of the church, the ordained ministry is sustained by this tithe. We would not be here this morning without that priestly tithe. The poor people's tithe, which we sometimes think of as charity, is also important. Too often in extending charity, we respond to emotional appeals rather than providing steady support. We hear about some tragic situation and our hearts are moved and so we dig deep and we, we help out. A beggar approaches us on the street and we feel sorry for him and so we hand him our loose change. But the Bible presents the poor people's tithe just like the priestly tithe. Regular, proportional, and from the first fruits. It should be baked into our budgets and not a response to a spur-of-the-moment emotional appeal. Now, in the past 80 years in this country, with the expansion of government poverty and relief programs, the church has largely relinquished its leading role in alleviating poverty. But I think it's important for us as Christians to not lose sight of the value of the poor person's tithe as a way to keep us connected to the larger community, to keep us sensitive to the needs of other people. Both the prophets and Jesus make it very clear that we have a religious duty to care for the poor. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least and the lowest, you've done for him. But I want to go back to the party tithe, to the picnic tithe, to the potluck tithe, I don't know why I wasn't told about this when I was growing up. A.J. Jacobs, who was an editor at Esquire magazine, published a book a number of years ago called A Year of Living Biblically. And he tells the story of trying to follow all of the rules that are in the Bible as literally as possible for one year. Now, I haven't read the book, but I love this idea. And it makes me wonder what our lives would look like if we took seriously the command to have a party or a potluck tithe. What would happen to our lives if we intentionally set aside a portion of our income, let's say 10%, for the sole purpose of feasting with each other? Now, of course, we already do this in small ways. Last Thursday, I stopped by uh, the Miriam Circle Luncheon. I was in the church lounge. The Miriam Circle is a women's uh, group here at the church. It has been meeting how many years, Pat? At least 60 years. It's been meeting a, a long, long time. Okay, The Miriam Circle has been meeting a long time and they get together once a month for a time of devotion and prayers and they have some light refreshments and then they do some kind of handiwork craft for the residents of an old folks home. And all the while they sit around and they talk and they enjoy each other's company. Now once a year they have a luncheon. And that was last Thursday. Joan Clover told me it was happening. She called me up. You know, Pastor, you might want to get lunch over there. And so I went, even though I'm not a woman, and I had a great time. 
What we do here on Sunday morning is the beating heart of the church, the maintenance of public worship, the public proclamation of the gospel is the beating heart of any church and we support Sunday morning generously with our priestly tithe. But the Miriam Circle Luncheon, that's godly work too. God was present in that room. God was honored in that room full of woman, women enjoying lunch with each other. On June 24th, we heard we're going to gather, uh, I guess, on the North Lawn for our annual deacon's picnic. We'll sit around, we'll eat good food, we'll hang out, we'll enjoy each other's company. That picnic is not a distraction from the work of the church. It is essential to the work of the church. It is the work of the church. Having a good time with the people of God is what the church should be doing. What would happen to us as a church if we were to take more seriously sitting down and eating with each other? What if we saw it as part of our religious duty as Christians to enjoy the bounty of God's blessings at a table with each other? What would happen to us as a faith community, if we were to set aside 10% or some other portion of our income exclusively for getting together and feasting with one another, what would happen if HVPC became known as the party church? <laughs> Think about it. The opening question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is the chief end of man? That's just an old-fashioned way of saying, what's the primary goal of, what's the principal purpose for which humans were created? And the answer is, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We were designed by God to glorify God and to enjoy God. Now, everything that is made, everything that is created is created for some purpose. Whatever is made is designed for some goal or some goals in mind. Purpose is what distinguishes created things from random occurrences. Random occurrences have no purpose. Created things have a purpose. And when we evaluate an example of a species, we evaluate it based on how well it fulfills the purpose of that species. For example, what's the purpose of a hat? Can you show us your hat there? Okay, he's had, he has a summer hat. Okay, sometimes you see Jordan wearing his winter hat. Now it's summertime and he's got a summer hat. So a, a hat has several purposes. One purpose of a hat could be to keep your head warm. If you're a bald guy like me, I wear a hat most of the year. It also can keep the rain and the sun off your head like an umbrella. Or it could be designed to make you beautiful and to attract attention. You can imagine a good hat and you can imagine a bad hat. A good hat is one that fulfills its purpose. A bad hat doesn't fulfill its purpose. A Russian fur hat, you've all seen those, is a good hat if you need to stay warm. A Mexican sombrero is a good hat 
if you need to keep the sun and the rain off your head. And those little English hats, you know, that the, that the, the English ladies wear to those fancy royal events. I think they're called fascinators. They're very beautiful and they attract our attention. Those are various kinds of hats that fulfill their purposes. Well, what about us? What's our purpose? We humans have as our highest purpose bringing glory to God and enjoying God. I think it's wonderful that we were designed for joy. We were made with the purpose of enjoying having pleasure in our Creator. As it turns out, we bring glory to God as we enjoy Him. And that means we are doing a good job of being humans when we are enjoying God, when we're taking pleasure in God. We miss the mark of what it means to be a human if we're not having joy. Keep that in mind. When we do our self-evaluation, when we grade ourselves on whether or not we're living a good life, we need to ask, do I enjoy God? Is being with God a pleasure for me? Do I look forward to time with God? John Piper's often repeated phrase is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Twelve years ago, Charlene Crawford <coughs> was named the HVPC Minister of Celebrations. I asked Session for this special designation to recognize her unique calling in this church. Through the years, Charlene has served this congregation in many different ways, but as Minister of Celebrations, Charlene, her job is to help us enjoy our time in worship. And if we're coming to church and not having a good time, then we're probably doing something wrong. So Charlene helps me think about how to make our time in worship more celebratory, more joy-filled. Of course, you know, she greets everybody with a hug at the end of the service, but she also helps me anytime that we have celebrations in the service, communion, baptisms, ordinations, other special events. She helps me stay organized, helps me think about how these little celebrations fit into the overall flow of the service. And the goal of all of this is to help us enjoy our time in worship, to enjoy the presence of God more, and to enjoy the company of each other more. Because we glorify God more as we enjoy Him more. Now this morning, we have a very special celebration as part of our worship service. In a few minutes, we are going to witness Noel Wolf and Juicy Mary Alves exchange vows and become man and wife. It is fitting and appropriate to have a wedding as a part of a regular Sunday morning worship service. I asked for it. Because marriage was instituted by God as an earthly reflection of our union with Christ and His church. According to the scriptures, marriage is an indissoluble union between one man and one woman. The two become one. 
And Jesus says in Mark 10, 9, Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. And what better place for that wedding of two into one to take place but in the house of the Lord during a regularly scheduled worship service. And so what we're going to do now, I'm actually going to call the band forward now. And we're going to sing our next song and then we're going to get down to the wedding business. This next song is called In Christ Alone. Noel chose this song for his wedding day because of how clearly it points to Christ as everything that we need. He's our hope. He's our strength. He's our comforter. He's the one who died for us and brought us our salvation. In his death we live. Because we are in Christ, we have no guilt in this life and we have no fear in the life to come. Nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth can pluck us from the hand of Christ our Redeemer. Let's stand now and sing his praises. Christ alone. In Christ alone. 
be seated. I'm going to rearrange a few things here. Let me just get this out of the way. And I'm going to steal your music stand. And Charlene Crawford, I see your face. We're going to let her use this mic. We're going to let her use this one, and then Bruno will have the handheld. All right, you guys stay right where you are for right now. Okay, I'll call you up in a minute. Thank you, Charlene. Uh, elders, where are you? Elders, let me see your hands. You'll be coming uh, forward later to pray over the couple. Uh, hear this. This is a statement of the gift of marriage. Esse é o mandamento do, da dádiva do casamento. God created us male and female. Deus criou, nos criou macho e fêmea. And he gave us marriage. Ele nos deu casamento. So that husband and wife may help and comfort each other. Então marido e mulher pode ajudar e confortar uns aos outros. Living faithfully together in plenty and in want. Uh, vivendo fielmente juntos na abundância e na necessidade. In joy and in sorrow. Na alegria e no sofrimento. In sickness and in health. Na doença e na saúde. Through all their days. Durante todos os seus dias. God gave us marriage. Deus nos deu o casamento. For the full expression of the love between a man and a woman. Para a expressão plena de um amor, do amor entre homem e mulher. In marriage, a woman and a man belong to each other. No casamento, o marido e a mulher pertencem um ao outro. And with affection and tenderness, they freely give themselves to each other. E com afeição e carinho, eles livremente se entregam um ao outro. God gave us marriage. Deus nos deu casamento. For the well-being of human society. Para o bem-estar da sociedade humana. For the ordering of family life. Para a organização da vida familiar. For the birth and the nurture of children. Para o nascimento e o cuidado dos filhos. God gave us marriage as a holy mystery. Deus nos deu casamento como um mistério sagrado. In which a man and a woman are joined together. No, no qual o homem e a mulher se and unem. And become one. E se tornam um. Just as Christ is one with his church. Assim como Cristo é um com a sua igreja. In marriage, husband and wife are called to a new way of life. No casamento, marido e mulher são convidados a um novo estilo de vida. Created, ordered and blessed by God. Criado, ordenado e abençoado por Deus. This way of life must not be entered into carelessly. Ah, este caminho de vida não deve ser tratado de modo descuidado. Or from selfish motives. Ou por motivos egoístas. But responsibly and prayerfully. Mas responsavelmente e revestido de oração. We rejoice that marriage is given by God. Nós nos regozijamos porque o casamento nos é dado por Deus. Blessed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Abençoado pelo nosso Senhor Jesus Cristo. And sustained by the Holy Spirit. E sustentado pelo Espírito Santo. Therefore, let marriage be held in honor by all. Por este motivo, que o casamento seja tratado com dignidade e honra por todos. And now a question for you individually. Mas agora uma pergunta para você individualmente. Brother Noel, understanding that God has created, ordered and blessed the covenant of marriage, is it your desire and intention to enter into this covenant? If so, please say yes. 
Ah, irmão Noel, entendendo que Deus criou, ordenou e abençoou esta aliança no casamento, é o seu desejo e intenção entrar nesta aliança? Caso sim, diga sim. As, uh, no, uh, Noel has been studying Portuguese. É, Noel tem estudado português. <risos> okay. Duolingo, it really works. Agora ele é bilíngue, então isso realmente funciona. Sister Jusimeri, understanding that God has created, ordered and blessed the covenant of marriage, is it your desire and intention to enter into this covenant? If so, please say yes. Uh, irmã Jusimeri, entendendo que Deus criou, ordenou e abençoou a aliança no casamento, é o seu desejo e intenção entrar nesta aliança? Caso sim, diga sim. Okay, then I can invite you forward. Eu gostaria de convidá-los a virem aqui à frente. Eu gostaria que vocês ficassem aqui e olhassem um para o outro. We want the good symmetry. Good. Nós queremos uma boa simetria, assim tá bom. I have one question for the congregation. Eu tenho uma pergunta para a igreja. Will all of you witnessing these vows? Todos vocês os quais testemunham estes votos, do everything in your power, vocês farão tudo o que está ao vosso alcance, to uphold Jusimeri and Noel in their marriage, para auxiliar Jusimeri, Noel e Jusimeri em seu casamento. If so, please say we do. Sim, caso sim. I'm so sorry, sorry. Caso sim, diga sim, nós vamos. Good Portuguese church. It's good, it's good. Noel and Juicy Mary, since it is your intention to marry. Ah, Noel e Juicy Mary, desde que é a vossa intenção se casarem. Please join your hands. Por favor, segurem as vossas mãos. And with your promises, bind yourselves to each other. E com as vossas promessas, unam um ao outro. As husband and wife. Como marido e mulher. Do you know take Juicy Mary to be your wedded wife? Ah, você não recebe Juicy Mary para ser a sua querida esposa? To have and to hold. Para tê-la e sustentá-la. From this day forward. Deste dia em diante. For better, for worse. Nos bons momentos e maus momentos. For richer, for poorer. Na riqueza e na pobreza. In sickness and in health. Na doença e na saúde. To love and to cherish para amar e cuidar Until death do you part. até que a morte vos separe If so, say, I do. Uh, se isso é verdade, por favor diga eu aceito Jusimeri, você recebe a uh, Noel para ser o seu querido esposo para ter e para guardar deste dia por favor para tê-lo e sustentá-lo deste dia em diante. For better or for worse. Para o bem e nos momentos maus. For richer and for poorer. Na riqueza e na pobreza. In sickness and in health. Na doença e na saúde. To love and to cherish. No am para amar e nutrir. Until death do you part. Até que a morte vos separe. If so, please say I do. Caso sim, diga eu aceito. And I do also. And I do. Good. We got it in both languages. Do we have a ring? Okay. All right. So we have some rings up here. Why don't you give me that? Oh, no, 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 I put them in my hand. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, let us pray. Vamos orar. By your blessing, oh God, may these rings be to Noel and Juicy Mary. Por tuas bênçãos, Senhor, que esses essas alianças sejam para Noel e Juicy Mary. Symbols of unending love and faithfulness. Símbolos de um amor interminável e fidelidade. Reminding them of the covenant they have made this day. Lembre-os da aliança que eles estão fazendo neste dia. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. Através do nosso Senhor Jesus Cristo, Amém. Pode colocar a aliança nela. Eu gostaria de convidar os presbíteros a virem aqui à frente. Nós vamos impor as mãos sobre eles e orar. Vamos orar. Father God, creator and preserver of all life. Deus e Pai, criador e preservador de toda a vida. Author of salvation and giver of all grace. Autor da salvação e doador de toda a graça. Look with favor upon the world you have made and redeemed. Olhe com favor sobre o mundo que o Senhor criou e redimiu. And look with favor upon Noel and Jusimeiri. Olhe com favor sobre Noel e Jusimeiri. Give them wisdom and devotion in their common life. Dê a eles sabedoria e devoção na vida em comum. Que eles sejam um para o outro força na necessidade. Conselheiros na perplexidade. Conforto no sofrimento. Uma companhia na alegria. Grant that their wills may be so knit together with your will. Oh Deus, dá a eles a dádiva de que as suas vontades e sonhos sejam tão unidos à tua própria vontade. Spirit, e o Espírito deles com o teu Espírito. That as, para que eles cresçam em amor e paz. Contigo e um com o outro. Todos os dias de suas vidas. Give them the grace when they hurt each other to recognize and confess their faults. Senhor, concede-os a graça de que quando eles ferirem um ao outro, eles reconheçam, confessem as suas faltas. May they seek each and yours. E que eles busquem o perdão um do outro e o teu perdão. Make their life a sign of love. Faça da vida deles juntas um sinal do amor de Cristo. So they may, so that unity may overcome estrangement. Que essa união possa vencer qualquer estranhamento. O perdão vence a culpa e a alegria vence o desespero. Dá a cada um deles cumplitude do amor mútuo. E que eles possam até alcançar a preocupação por outros. Grant that all who have witnessed these vows today, da todos aqueles os quais testemunham estes votos hoje, may find their faith strengthened. 
possam ter a sua fé fortalecida e que todos aqueles que são casados possam sair com as suas próprias promessas renovadas enriqueça-os com a tua graça todos os maridos, esposas, pais e filhos para que eles possam amar e suportar um ao outro que eles sirvam aqueles que estão em necessidades e sejam um sinal do teu reino assim nós oramos através de Jesus Cristo nosso Senhor amém, amém. Todos os balões ficam aqui na frente. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, junto aos balões existem versos bíblicos. Agora as obrigações para o casal virá de Charlene Crawford. Hoje vocês fizeram uma aliança diante de Deus e dos homens. To be a, married couple. a serem um casal. The Lord recognized your need for a helper. Uh, o Senhor reconhece a vossa necessidade por um ajudador. Genesis 2:18. Uh, Gênesis 2:18. The Lord God said. O Senhor Deus disse. I see that it is not good for man to be alone. Eu vejo que não é bom para o homem estar sozinho. I will make a companion he needs. Eu farei uma auxiliadora. One just right for him. Assim como ele. The Lord God used the rib from the man. Ah, o Senhor usou então a costela do homem. To make a woman. Para fazer a mulher. Then he brought the woman to the man. Então ele trouxe a mulher ao homem. Adam's response to this gift was. A, re a resposta de Adão a este presente foi. Genesis 2, 23 e 24. And the man said, finally. E o homem então disse, finalmente. One like me. Alguém como eu. With bones of my bones and a body from my body. Ah, com ossos dos meus ossos e a carne da minha carne. She was taken out of man. Ela foi tirada do homem. So I will call her woman. Então ela será chamada mulher ou varoa. That is why man leaves his father and mother. É por essa razão que o homem deixará pai e mãe. And joins to his wife. E se unirá à sua mulher. In the way two people become one. E ambos serão uma só carne. Today, as you enter this covenant. Hoje, como vocês entraram nesta aliança. I charge you to be one mind. Eu vos recomendo a serem uma mente. One spirit. Um espírito. And one body. E um corpo. How do you become one mind? Então, quando vocês se tornarem uma mente, como vocês se tornam uma mente? God has called you to humble yourself. O Senhor os chama a se humilharem. Before Him and be obedient. Diante dele serem obedientes. To the things He has called you to. As coisas as quais Ele os chamou a fazer. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. 
Filipenses 2, 5 a 8. Let this mind be in you. Que essas verdades estejam em vocês. Which is also in Christ Jesus. Assim como está em Cristo Jesus. And being found in the fashion as man. E sendo achado em forma de homem. He humbled himself. Humilhou a si mesmo. And became obedient to death. E se tornou obediente até a morte. Even death on the cross. Em morte de cruz. My second charge to you. A minha segunda recomendação a vocês to become one in the spirit. é se tornar um no Espírito. Galatians 5:25. Gálatas 5:25. If we live by the Spirit, se nós vivemos pelo Espírito, let us also walk by the Spirit. Andemos também nós no Espírito. Spend time together praying. É, Invistam tempo juntos orando. For each other. Orando um pelo outro. Pray about situations Orem acerca de circunstâncias, situações that will definitely arise. Que certamente se chegarão. And praise God e adorem a Deus. For providing answers, por prover respostas. Favor, favor. And grace. Uh, sorry. And grace. E, e graça. My last charge. A minha, minha última recomendação. Is to become one body. É se tornarem um só corpo. Two people are better than one. Dois é melhor do que um. When two people work together, quando duas pessoas trabalham juntas, they get more work done. Eles uh, finalizam mais trabalho, realizam mais coisas. If one person falls, se uma pessoa cair, the other person can reach out to help. A outra pessoa pode então se aproximar para ajudar. But those who are alone, Mas aqueles que estão sozinhos, when they fall, quando eles caem, they have no one to help them. Eles não têm ninguém para ajudá-lo. If two people sleep together, se duas pessoas dormem juntas, they will be warm. Eles se aquecerão. But a person sleeping alone, mas uma pessoa dormindo sozinha, will not be warm. Não será aquecida. An enemy might be able, e então não será, uh, não não terá capacidade. To defeat one person. Um inimigo não terá capacidade de derrotar uma pessoa. But two people. Mas duas pessoas. Can stand back to back. Podem se colocar de costa um para o outro juntos. To defend each other. Para defender um ao outro. That came from. Isso veio de. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Four nine through eleven. Quatro de nove a onze. You two will be a unit. Vocês dois serão um só. That stands with God. Se colocará um diante de Deus. And against the things of the world. Contra as coisas deste mundo. So as you go forth today. Então como vocês vão adiante hoje. In one mind. Numa mente. One spirit. Um espírito. And one body. E um corpo. Remember. Se lembrem. James 1:19-20. Tiago 1:19 a 20. Let every person. E toda pessoa. Be quick to hear. Esteja apto para ouvir. Slow to speak. Tardio para falar. Slow to anger. Tardio para se irar. For the anger of man. Pois a ira do homem. Does not produce. Não produz. The righteousness of God. A justiça de Deus. Get ready to walk. Estejam prontos a andar. In God's righteousness. Na justiça de Deus. You are standing. Vocês estão diante. In a right standing with God. Estão diante de Deus. Because Christ has covered you. Porque Cristo os cobriu With his righteousness. com a sua justiça. Go forth in love. Que vocês possam ir adiante em amor.
Before God and in the presence of this congregation, Noel and Juicy Maddie have made their vows to each other. They have confirmed their promises by the giving of hands and the giving and receiving of rings. Therefore, it gives me great joy to proclaim that they are now husband and wife. Uh, diante de Deus e na presença dessa congregação, Noé e Jusimeire fizeram os seus votos um ao outro e confirmaram a promessa de juntarem as vossas mãos, que trocarem as vossas alianças. Então, isso me dá a grande alegria em declará-los agora marido e mulher. Noé, agora você pode beijar a sua noiva. Those whom God has joined together, let no one separate. Aqueles os quais Deus uniu, que o homem não separe. Brothers and sisters, I am pleased to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Noel and Juicy Maddie Wolf. Ah, irmãos e irmãs, eu tenho a alegria de introduzi-los o senhor e a senhora Noel e Juicy Maddie Wolf. Amen. Let's stand and we will continue in our worship. You can go back down and 